Welcome to the Art of Complexity podcast, where we explore how people and organizations understand and tackle the most complex challenges they face on a day-to-day basis. Simply put, how they think and act beyond. If you or your organization faces a challenge that seems to just be unsolvable, then you're in the right place. Now, here's your host, Roy Adams. Well, welcome back to another episode of The Art of Complexity. Uh, One of our first uh, episodes in this uh, newest season, we talked about trust and trust being the currency of leadership. We got some feedback from listeners in, in just asking us to expound a little bit more on on the concepts of the four C's, which we uh, illuminated as making up that, uh, that trust factor within leadership. So that's what we're going to do today. Uh, we're going to really talk about this four C's leadership model, what it, what it is and in our, in our opinions. And we're just going to honestly just give out some, some experiences that we've had as leaders. Um, and we've had a variety of different leadership experiences between the three of us here. And I think we, we just want to add that it's, it's kind of a wrap up episode of this season for you to, to maybe uh, to take some, some lessons from us or, or some, some anecdotes from us on, on the application of, of this four C's leadership model in, in, our own, in our own context. So let me turn it over to, to Indy, who's really going to review for us what, what each of these this model elements of this model is. And then, and then we'll we'll dive in from there. So, Indy, welcome. It's good to hear from you today, and I look forward to uh, to what we're going to discuss. Yeah, thank you, Roy and Vince. Glad to be with you both today. And and as Roy said, we'll we'll go through these, and then we'll give an example at the end uh, of each one to kind of illustrate, if we can, this concept. I'd start by saying, look, this is very personal for me. That you know, this is the result of. Uh, my journaling over the years, thinking about things that have happened, writing them down, writing the context, really trying to drive into what a, what happened, why did it happen, what did I learn from it? This has been a, you know, the, these the distillation of these four things, these four C's, this leadership model, if you will, it's very personal. You know, you've got to have your own, but certainly I think if you think about these things today, these hopefully, or, or, you know, can be universally applied. Um, they're my own personal, if you will, aphorisms. I, we use some quotes in here and things from people. But as Roy said, for me personally, in the organizations, I, I have the privilege and responsibility of either leading, following, or being a part of. It enables that trust, that fabric of trust, which, which really is the currency of leadership. It also enables respect for each other. Um, you have to be vulnerable enough to explore yourself, you know, if you will, in terms of how you think, how you lead, why did you act that way? You can do that through 360s. You can do that through feedback from friends, mentors, family. But if you're not willing to look in the mirror and understand a little bit more about yourself, it's very hard to lead. You know, you, you can't lead others if you don't know yourself. You might you know, every now and then have success, but to truly lead and establish that trust, you have to know yourself. You have to be willing to learn. You have to be willing to move out of being self-reliant and into the, 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 the fabric of society. 
and again, I said this is very personal. I, you know, I started out my professional life uh, as a, as a young fighter pilot. Uh, you know, when we run hard together as fighter pilots. It's it's a it's a very, you know, it's a very distinct group that sort of runs, thinks the same way, and, and kind of not all the same way, but certainly you know runs really hard together. Um, and you get used to running that way. And and when you're not interacting in that group that you're used to, you you have a tendency to become self-reliant. And that can be misconstrued as running for personal glory. I actually had to confront that about midway through my Air Force career um, when I heard some speakers saying things that that made me think about um, really my own personal journey. And, and the first one was listening to a retired three-star from a stage with 600 people in, a, in an audience say, hey, people want to know how much you care long before they care how much you know. Now that, for whatever reason, kept rattling around inside my nugget, and 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 I I couldn't get it out of my, couldn't get it out of my mind. And as I wrote that down and started thinking about it, I went, wow, I I really do need to, you know, start thinking more about my own personal leadership, how I act, how I'm perceived as acting. Do people trust me? Should they trust me? And and that really distills down to these these four things. That's we we got asked to to talk about this, so we'll, we'll give an example and. And really, it's, it's four C's. The first one is, is character, and that's doing the right thing. We're going to talk about trust a lot, but doing the right thing engenders trust. You know, Dwight Eisenhower once said that in order to be a leader, you have to have followers, and, and to have followers, a leader must have their confidence. Confidence, another word for trust, right? You, you have to be able to believe the leader, you know, that the supreme quality of a leader is unquestioned integrity. Without integrity, no real success is possible over time. You're going to get found out as being a phony. If you lack integrity, you're going to eventually fail. And more often times than not, you're going to try to blame everyone else. That's why I talked about this being personal. It's you really have to look hard and make sure that what you believe squares up with your actions. That, that first great thing that you need is integrity and, and, a, and a high sense of purpose to do the right thing. And, and that's really the first C. It's, it's all about having, you know, consistent good character. That doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. You are. We'll talk a little bit more about that later when we talk about compassion. But owning those failures, being true to yourself, being true to your team, and being willing to confront things in your own personal behavior and others that might check that integrity, even if they're complex. And the example I'll give for this one is, you know, I had a leadership uh, uh, job I, I, I uh, moved into, and during my you know, first week of really getting to know the team, I had a resource decision placed in front of me that made me kind of turn my head sideways, uh, kind of like the RCA dog. I went, huh? That doesn't sound right. Now, I could have just said, okay, I'm new. I don't know enough. Hey, just keep running. It's fine. But as I dug into that resource decision and asked a few more questions, what I found out was that it was it was duplicitous. It was not a good decision. It was not one based on integrity. And as I turned that decision around in the moment and I put in place corrective actions for everything else, what it really did was said said very loudly to the team that I was leading that integrity matters, character matters, doing the right thing matters. You know, that that we now have the freedom to do the right thing. There's, there's no French proverb that says there is no pillow so soft as a clear conscience. So in this case, you know, 
as I started out a, a new leadership position, it gave me the chance to think about, to question what I was feeling, and then take action that set a standard that, that we all try to live up to. Again, that, that means you're not going to fail. Look, we're going to fail. You know, when, when you get tested by fire, there's going to be some failure. But at the end, as long as you continue to stay consistent, the metal that's left out of that fire hopefully continues uh, to do the right thing. Um, so we'll move to the second C, and then we're, we're gonna we're gonna pick up after the second C and let Vince give a, dis a discussion on this. But the second one is really cognitive skills, and what do I mean by that? I mean having the ability to 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 solve problems. You know, part of the critical function of leadership is the not just the ability to lead the team, but to help them solve problems, to create movement toward the vision. Every decision we make creates movement. The ability to lead a team and help a team see and frame a problem well, better than they could, the ability to make better decisions toward better movement, that's all part of leadership, that, that ability to think well. You know, in order to, you know, a second part of this trust is currency, your team has to believe that, you know, and you have to have good skills in framing and solving problems. That's why we talk about and teach applied critical thinking. These techniques are at the core of helping you frame problems better. Um, but equally important is you've got to be vulnerable enough to be willing to engage in the process to help your team. You've got to be willing to have people judge how well you're thinking. That's part of the growing process of thinking. You don't always have to be right, but you have to be willing to engage. You've got to get past your own insecurities and be vulnerable to your teammates. You know, it's, it's that process of discovery and diversity of opinion that makes sure you're gonna get the problem framed well enough. The last part of this one really is, and it's, it's, it's from an unknown author, uh, that you can't plow a field by turning it over in your mind. What does that really mean? It, you gotta engage. It, it, it's success depends not merely on how well you do things you enjoy, but how conscientiously you perform those things you don't. You might grimace at a tough task. Hey, I don't really wanna think about that, that's hard. But it's when you have the determination to steal up inside yourself and overcome those fears, become part of the solution instead of a bystander that complains about bad, bad outcomes, that you start to down the path of continuing to develop those cognitive skills that, that give your team confidence that not only do you have them, but you're willing to engage and be vulnerable. And then so I'm going to move over to you for an example, if that's okay. Sure, and the, these cognitive skills are really the entire season two, if anyone's jumping in on this episode. And the reason we, Indy uh, introduced the four C's was, hey, yes, we are talking about applied critical thinking skills, but you do need this character, this courage, and this compassion as a foundation to your critical thinking. And you mentioned decision-making, you know, some of my best leaders, they ask like the best questions, not in an attacking manner that put me on the defensive, but in an acquisitive, compassionate manner that made me think and want to answer it in the right manner. And likewise, as an example, I was in a waiting room the other day at a doctor's appointment and I waited 10 minutes past my appointment and I was like, okay, what's he doing, surfing the internet or what? Well, when I got into the office, I was struck that the doctor 
spent the first 10 minutes of my appointment fully preparing, reviewing my history, my case. And I felt secure and cared for just because he was cognitively prepared for an interaction with me. I felt cared for. And as a leader, how do you cognitively prepare for your next engagement? You may receive a traditional read ahead in email. Do you read it? Do you prepare for the next meeting? Do you prepare for the next engagement? And I think that's where cognitive skills, you have it. If a leader says, I'm not smart enough, prepare for a meeting in a way that allows you to see a bigger picture where your subordinates may be too close to the problem. Ask the right question in the right tone of voice. And I really think this would stimulate some thinking of our listeners. So thanks, Andy. Vince, I can't tell you, thank you enough for what you, you know, a, a ton of things just ran through my mind about that. But, but really, you covered something I had not covered, and I appreciate it, which is that the preparation necessary to engage in a conversation, that homework, if you will, is a big part of instilling the trust. Imagine, you know, Vince, we've all been there where a doctor comes in and goes, now tell me about yourself again. I really haven't had time to get up speed. Well, immediately you're put off, right? Um, this, the same thing if you've been in a meeting with uh, someone, a superior, someone who's going to make a decision, you've spent a lot of time and effort to send them the material and they've walked in completely uh, unprepared. And you ask yourself, well, why did I have to give a read ahead? And you start questioning the capabilities of the individual. So that, that preparation piece of it, I'm really very thankful you brought that out. That was a great example. Well, let's move to courage, um, which is the third C. And, and when I say courage, people immediately go, oh, you know, brave for yourself. Well, no, it's really about leading and taking risks for organizational greatness, not personal glory. Now, there's a, there's a saying, and there's some books out there that, that use some of these titles, but we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give to others. I'm going, to re- I'm going to repeat that. We, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give others. And I, and I think that's from a book I've, I've read in the past. I had it in my leadership journal. I wished I had, uh, had written down exactly where I got that from. I, I think I remember the book, but I don't want to quote it here in case it's the, the wrong one. But um, you must consistently check your motives to ensure that you're, you're serving leadership, that you are a servant leader versus being served by your position. We've all been around people who immediately start taking on the, the characteristics of a, you know, I've arrived kind of attitude, right? It's, it's my turn now. Look what you guys get to do for me kind of thing. Those are the opposite of courage. You know, those are selfish things. When you get the opportunity to lead, it's about thinking about others in a way that lets you lead them through complexity having the courage to engage, being vulnerable enough to be in the position that takes risk for other people and for the organization. You know, it, the ultimate personal responsibility is leading other people. You know, you're using resources, you're, you're working towards a greater good. It's, it's the attitude of how you approach that that really determines whether your courage is more selfish or more organizationally oriented. 
And certainly as I did my journaling and I thought about this, this is another thing that came up for me personally that I had to, to remind myself to always think about my motives. And one of the driving motives is to think about living the power of one person to make a positive difference for your organization, your teammates, not for yourself. I, I can't emphasize that enough. If, if you really engage in what you're doing, thinking about your team, the outcomes, you find that you're going to continue to build that trust currency that we talked about for leadership. And, and Roy, if you wouldn't mind, give us an example from this one. Yeah, Indy, um, I really appreciate this one a lot. And, and I, I have a, an, an anecdotal example of, of where this, this type of personal courage you described, where you're putting the organizational uh, in front of yourself and, and, and being vulnerable in front of the organization and, and showing your vulnerability was a form of personal courage that then built this um, environment and culture of trust amongst our leadership team as well as is the the subordinates within the organization in in, in you know in the military especially in the culture of the military i was in um courage and bravery get get mixed and, and sometimes they get they get put in the same the kind of same um cup if you will um, but they're different things um, personal bravery uh, in the midst of danger is different th different than personal courage leading the organization as you described. And in my example, you know, I had a, an infantry uh, commander to stand up in front of the entire 700 person um, unit and, and essentially say, you know, I am going to take this step as a leader to make me a better individual. And that's I'm going to engage in my mental health in the care of my mental health in the midst of all the experiences that we're having in, in combat. And you need to do the same, because if you don't do the same, then, then, then you create risk and you create a, a situation in your leadership that puts our soldiers at risk, because you can't deal with, uh, emotionally deal with what's going on on a day-to-day -day basis. So I'm gonna lead from the front and I'm gonna create a culture here that encourages you as leaders and you as subordinates to deal with your own mental health. And so when he did that, and again, this is the first time I'd ever seen a commander do that in the situation that we were in, he immediately changed the culture of the organization. He immediately changed the level of trust that we had in him because he was being so vulnerable with us in front of us. And then he didn't just say it, he lived it. We, we, we would see him take the actions that, that we could look at and say, he's doing that. He is, he is actually going and talking to somebody. He is taking personal uh, interest in his own mental health. He's doing things to rest. He's doing, he's doing things that we know you need to do as leaders to make sure that you're ready to lead in the crisis situation. And then uh, that ultimately carried itself out in a level of trust within our organization that uh, in the midst of combat, in the midst of crisis, in the midst of firefights, we could trust our leadership had our best interests at heart. And even when we may not have understood orders, we may not have understood what they were asking us to the effect that they wanted, we knew we had trust in them and they had trust in us. And, and I go back to that, that unit and I go back to that situation and I pull so many positive leadership lessons out of what was essentially crisis after crisis and, and tragedy after tragedy 
ultimately to see that I learned a lot from that experience and from that leader about how to lead other people and how to care for other people through this, uh, this example of personal courage that led to organizational courage to do the right thing for people in, in, in the midst of very complex and even crisis situations. And, you know, he also was a very compassionate leader. And I'm going to let, turn it back to you, Andy, to really talk about compassion and, and how that really can affect the leadership culture that you have in your organization. Well, and Roy, thank you for sharing that. Um, all I could think of when you were talking about that was uh, some TED Talks I've listened to in a, in a book I've read called Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. And it's really, it's, it's that idea of being vulnerable enough uh, in this case, to lead your organization to success by addressing a systemic issue that, that may have been there, that to personally step out, not for himself, but for the organization, to set the standard for how to address those things. That, that's, a, that's a really very uh, a good moving story. So let's talk about the, the fourth C in compassion. And, and, and there's lots of ways you can think about compassion. I'm, I'm going to address the way I think about it. Certainly it's just me, but... Um, it's remembering that people are at the heart of any organization, not equipment or processes. That's easy for us to say, but we too often forget that in the midst of crisis. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, two, two quotes that I've kept for a long time that, I, that I, I, I dwell on every now and then. One of them I've already mentioned, which was people want to know how much you care long before they care how much you know. And then people will forget most of what you say, but they'll always remember how you make them feel. I had a, a wing commander when I was getting ready to be a squadron commander tell me that second one. And what he was really reminding me was you need to be intentional with your actions and your available time with people. You know, the only non-renewable resource we have on this earth is time. How you spend it says what you care about. And in this case, when you're leading, if you're intentional with people, if you're willing to slow down enough to, to see people as an opportunity, not a challenge, and you're available, it starts to display the compassion that builds trust currency with your team. When people feel like you, you care about them, you're willing to give that only non-renewable resource you have to them, and you're intentional about it with your listening skills, with your, with your um, ability to empathize, those sorts of consistent displays build that fabric of trust we've talked about. At the core of that, to be able to do that, you really have to respect people you work with and their capabilities. I had a young leader one time come to me telling me, you know, hey, I've got these two people who, who really are, are just being very obstinate and won't listen and, and are having a very hard time uh, getting things done. And they're challenging my leadership multiple ways. And, and he really wanted me to solve it for him. And, and, and I did, I think. <laughs> I, I asked him a simple question. I said, do you respect them? And, and he looked at me and he said, well, not really. I said, that's your problem. And, and he stopped as if to say, and I said, and, and, you know, boss, you didn't really solve the problem. And I said, you know, you have the privilege and responsibility to lead to do that. You have to know them well enough, be intentional with them enough to understand and respect them. You have to find the things. Look, we're all going to have challenging employees that, 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 you know, or teammates that eventually do things that, that are illegal or something else that certainly you wouldn't respect those things. But at the heart of things, we oftentimes make these snap analysis about people 
start putting modifiers, as we talked about in one of our earlier podcasts, against them that, that create this lack of trust. If you're not honest enough to think about that and really respect people, it's very hard to lead them. That's a part of compassion. That mindset helps you frame the interactions you're going to have with other people. How many of you have been in a, in a challenging situation where immediately you thought, man, that person's just not smart or that, person, that person's just mean? Well, what it does to you is it changes your mindset about how the next conversation's fixed to occur because now you want to win. Now you want to prove out the, the, the analysis you put in your mind. Whereas if you just stopped and said, I'm not sure of the context of why they said that or what's going on, but I really want to hear them. That simple change reframes the interaction you're fixing to have. You know, compassion and empathy go hand in hand. You, you have to know someone well enough to understand them in order to instill trust in a relationship. And that relationship goes both ways, right? They have to know you as well. It's important that the teams you're leading understand you as well as you understand them. Now, the last part of this compassion piece really gets to mistakes. We have a whole, uh, we have a whole uh, series we do on mistakes and problem solving, but I, I put this in here at the end to say that many times, we talked a little bit about fire and being tested by fire earlier, but many times, you know, your compassion gets put to test when a crisis or a mistake happens. You know, and I'm showing my age by saying stop to wind the clock. If, if I said, hey, put, put pause on YouTube for a minute, if you stop for a second when something's happening and you look at your own part before you start indicting or debriefing others, it's going to change how you think about the situation. Hey, something's bad going on. Did, did I give enough direction, guidance, resources, training? You know, what's my part before I immediately start trying to lay blame on other people? What it does is it makes you vulnerable, as we talked about earlier. It, it makes you look at the situation in a way that you normally wouldn't have looked at it because now you, you understand, hey, I got to own my own part. It instills trust in the team because you have the compassion to acknowledge your part as well. And it lets you reframe how these things might play out. And Vince, I'm going to come back to you. And then I think Roy and I'll close up here in a little bit. I've got one other thought, Roy, at the end I want to talk about on multipliers. But uh, Vince, could you give us an example of this? Sure. Uh, you know, one of the things that strikes me at the close of this season too is applied critical thinking is an everyday thing, is an every moment thing. And I, I was uh, pretty honest in my confession that, oh, I'm about to go into a planning room or a decision. Let me use my applied critical thinking skills but it's really every day. It's applied critical thinking with compassion, with courage, with cognitive skills, with character. And I think of um, compassion, for those taking notes, I would say compassion in action. And you infer that, but I'm just gonna be direct about it. Are you exhibiting compassion in action every day? Um, are you investing in the relationships daily, weekly, that will honestly be your personal and professional safety net when crisis hits. When crisis hits, it's too late to build a relationship. You're into solving problems. You're into fixing something. And that trust and that relationship needs to be rock solid. 
before the crisis hits. It's too late to do bridge mending. I think of the time where just recently um, folks said, how can I help? Let me go to the food bank. And the food bank folks are like, who are you? Where have you been all this time? And they wanted you before uh, COVID hit. So those relationships are key in crisis. And, um, you know, it's too late. It's past due um, once the crisis hits. So I really appreciate the fact, Indy, that you've taught me that applied critical thinking and the four C's is an everyday thing. Yeah, thank you, Vince. And, and Roy, I'll come back to you here in just a second to finish out this season. I want to leave you all with this thought. I, I recently read a book called Multipliers by Liz Wiseman. And um, we had the, you know, Vince and I had the privilege of doing a, uh, a leadership discussion with, uh, with a group of uh, medical students here recently. And we talked about this. And, and I'll leave you with this thought that you've got to discover your own personal leadership style certainly could be the four C's. There's, there's nothing new or magical about this. This just happens to be the distillation of a, a very long life of experiences that led me to think about my own personal leadership and what I'm trying to do consistently if I can, make mistakes, acknowledge, learn, grow, get better, try to be better about each of these parts as I interact with people every day. As I read this book, Multipliers, I started to think about this frame applied critical thinking and how you, and I think there's a cross section here in that we've all experienced those leadership moments where people really diminish the, the contributions of everyone and they really collectively deflate the room. You know, at the end of the day, as I, as I read this book and I thought more about it, we're all consistently trying to be a multiplier in our workplace to make the collective outcome better, whether we're leading, following, or whatever role we may have that whatever personal leadership philosophy you adopt through your own discovery, it's really trying to make the environment better, to make the organization better, to be a multiplier as part of the team, to not worry about your own personal success and glory, to do things in a way that are uplifting for everyone. And, and I just, I throw that at point out. It's, it's a good book to read. Um, I, I enjoyed reading it. Uh, and. Uh, I've certainly enjoyed this season. I, I look forward to maybe another season, Roy and Vince, as we get back together. But uh, I hope the listeners out there have enjoyed it. And, and certainly, Roy will wrap up with how you can get in touch with us. Yeah, well, Andy, I don't know if I could wrap up the season any better than you just did. So let me just say this um, to both of you. Thanks for your contribution, uh, both in my life and in our in our business, but, but really in this thought, this being thought leaders around this whole idea of applied critical thinking and then how that translates in your leadership. Um, you know, if you want to learn more about applied critical thinking, about how your organization could, could, could begin to embrace the skills and techniques and even the culture of applied critical thinking in, in your organization, just reach out to us, as we've said many times in our, in our episodes. You know, this will wrap up our season two of, of The Art of Complexity, and, and we're looking for ideas for season three, and we'll be promoting that as that comes along down the line in the, in the future. But uh, if you have questions for us or want to get in touch with us, you can always just reach out to us at info at ginosko.co. And we want to thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, input your inputs into uh, what we're doing as a, as, a, as a podcast. And if you have questions for us, just feel free to shoot us a note. And thanks for your time today.
We'll talk to you soon.